This morning, we're going to continue in, in Romans chapter 4. If you're a visitor, we've been going to the book of Romans, and, and let, me, let me catch you up in 15 seconds. The first three chapters, Paul begins to build a theological home for us that we can live in. At this time, there's a lot of doctrine that's false doctrine. So Paul is building a theological home, and he starts with three chapters with the foundation of all of you are sinners. Remember I said that? That everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And so that's the foundation of this theological home. And now he begins to build. If, so everyone's asking, well, how are we saved? Are we saved through the law? And Paul says, no. Well, are we saved through being Jews? And Paul says, no. Well, are we saved through being circumcised? Remember I told you circumcision to them was very similar to the Catholic faith of infant baptism. And so that's kind of similar to the Jews. And Paul's saying, no, you're not saved through being circumcised either. So now they're sitting here saying, well, how in the world are we saved? And so now we look at uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 this morning. And what you're going to see is this word promise come up over and over and over. Now, when you hear this word promise, for all of you in the room, it means something different. And, and here is why, because all of us have had promises broken, or we've all broken promises, correct? And really it starts, I want you to think about this for a minute, it starts from a very early age. In fact, I bought a prop and asked my wife if this was okay. You ladies, let's be honest, let me talk to the ladies for a minute. You remember when that little scrubby kid came up to you in about third, fourth grade and said, I, I, I want to marry you one day, and, and I bought a 25-cent ring to prove it, and I want you to put this on your finger as a promise ring. Anybody ever have that? Don't be ashamed. Yeah, you, she's had that happen to her. And, and, and here's what happens. The dude busts out this little bootleg ring, and... He's like, baby, I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to take care of you. And he busts it out like it's a special occasion that he had got this 25-cent thing. And then he puts it on her finger, tells her how much he loves her. Um, and then somewhere along the line, he, he breaks it off or it doesn't work out. Her heart's broken. And the little snotty-nosed pervert goes and gets another 25-cent ring. And he does it to another girl. And then it happens over and over and over. And by this time... Um, this young lady, by the time she's in college, her trust for people is not very strong. Because people have promised her things all her life, but they've always come up just empty. And by the way, if you're single in this room today, ladies, and I know you really want to get married, but if the dude ever busts out uh, a ring box that looks like this, <laughs> will, you, will you run to your car and will you play TLC, I Don't Want No Scrub, and you just, you just go. Uh, you, you just go. You don't, you, okay? I don't know much, but I know that. You wait till he brings out the bling, okay? You got to be sure you're going to be taken care of and you're going to be secure, all right? The Lord wants you to be taken care of. Hey, now I'm preaching, huh? Now I'm preaching. But broken promises. Many of us in this room, let's get a little more serious now, have been through some horrible things in your life. Whether it was a father who walked out, a mother who walked out, 
a spouse who committed adultery. And, and, and when I talk about broken promises, it goes much deeper than a silly 25-cent ring. It, it really cuts to the core of your heart because you have been wounded by broken promises. Now take that pain that's deeply wounded and, and now read Scripture that talks about God's promises. It's not so easy to comprehend or accept, is it? It's just not. We're human. It's the reality. And it's interesting because Paul opens up in Romans 13 talking about promises, and the figure he uses is Abraham. That Abraham experienced God's promises. Now, remember where Abraham was when God found him? He was worshiping pagan gods. I mean, he was was a sinner. He was far from God. And then listen to what happens. God chooses Abraham to say, you're the person that I am going to initiate redemption through. Think about this for a minute. You're not even paying attention to me, Abraham. You're worshiping other things. Yet I am going to choose you to start the redemption of the world through you. So he picks Abraham. Think about this for a minute. He picks Abraham. His name was Abram, which means exalted father. He changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many, right? Then, so he picks him and says, through you, I'm going to do all of this. Through you, I promise Abraham. And Abraham, I know you're 100 years old, but you and your wife are going to have a child. Can you imagine that? I don't know what I would do as a pastor if someone like shot me an email and said, hey, pastor, my wife's 90, I'm 100. Where can we have a baby shower at the church? Let me forward that one to Pastor Perry, and you can take care of that one. But let's be serious. Like, I've never seen a 90-year-old, 100-year-old have a child. Like, the body's not even capable. God picks the most hopeless misfit and his wife where there really could be no life. And says, through you, the promise will happen. And he picks the most impossible Situation here. Think about this. God picks the most impossible situation so that when he makes it possible, he now has a new name to Sarah and Abraham. He is the God of possible. And Sarah and Abraham don't think I had something to do with it. No, Sarah and Abraham know without a shadow of doubt in their mind that they've been trying to have a child. Here they are 100 years old. The only way we had a child is because the God of, of possible touched our lives and he took a dead womb and created life out of the dead womb and he made something out of nothing. Like this is, this is listen, this is a, a, a foreshadowing, by the way, of what he is going to do with humanity. Do you realize the picture of Abraham and Sarah is what God is going to do with the world when he redeems it? He's going to take a bunch of spiritually dead people, dead, like a dead womb. He says, I'm going to bring life out of you through my son, Jesus. That's what, that's what, that's what he's doing here. That's the picture. But Abraham, what a fool. Listen how good God is. He picks Abraham, takes him out of being a pagan, picks him and says, you're going to be the patriarch. You're going to be the Michael Jordan of basketball. When, I, when people say your name, everyone's going to associate you with basketball. Hey, Abraham, when people say the name Abraham, everyone's going to know that's the father of the Jews. Everyone. This is what God is doing for him. He had nothing to do with it, by the way. Then he gets tired of waiting on God. What does he do? 
He has Ishmael. I said this before, but what comes out of the bloodline of Ishmael? Islam. Because he got impatient, he took things into his own hands. He, he couldn't wait to have a child. He didn't believe God's promise. So he had Ishmael. But God is so faithful that God's promises are never based off your faithfulness. Hear me now. God's promises are never based off your faithfulness. You're like, prove it. Okay, uh, those of you who are Christians, you're a sinner before you received Christ. You're a sinner during Christ while you're walking with Christ. But God has promised you eternity. You will continue to sin, 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 sin until you're in heaven. Which means God is going to keep his promise regardless of your walk. Now that is not a license to sin. But that is a reason to celebrate. It is not a license to sin. But God has promised you if you believe in his son Jesus, you will go to heaven. He didn't say if you believe and you stop sinning. Because none of us would be there. So God keeps his promise with Abraham. And I want us to see how this came about. There are four things when I talk about God's promise this morning that I'm going to give us. Look at verse 13. If you're here this morning for the first time, I encourage you to pull out your phone or your Bibles. For We are going to go verse by verse. For the promise to Abraham, by the way, in Hebrew, we don't have an English term that's equal to uh, this word promise. Okay, so in the Hebrew, this word promise in the Old Testament actually is equivalent to the word covenant. Does that make sense? So God made a covenant with them is basically what it's saying. So in the Hebrew, this would mean covenant. For the covenant to Abraham and his offspring, that he would be the heir of the world, did not come through the law. By the way, what did God promise Abraham? Just so we're on the same page here. Don't worry about it. That's why they pay me to do this. I'll tell you. Land. Remember? I promised to give you land. All right, what else did he promise? A son. Isaac, and through the bloodline of Isaac, who comes? Jesus. Through the bloodline of Isaac comes who? Through the bloodline of Ishmael comes who? Faithfulness to God always produces life. Disobedience produces death. Ishmael. All right? Now, what else did he promise? A land, son, and a nation. You're going to have a whole bunch of Israelites. There's going to be a lot of power in that. All right? So there are several promises here that, that he's referring to. Now, this is very tricky. This thing scares me as a pastor where, where sometimes, if you felt this way, I'm not saying it's not true, but you've got to be careful. Sometimes you hear people say, God promised me this year's my year. You ever heard that? And there's some people I've heard, like, for 15 straight years, I'm like, gosh, ooh. I don't know if you're hearing the same spirit that I've been listening to. If you are sitting on a promise of God, it should always match the character of God. It should always go back to Scripture and match the character of God. Promises of God, listen to this, promises of God are always to fulfill the will of God, not the plans of man. God is not just going to bless you just for you. If God is going to bless you so that he can bless through you to accomplish his will. Everything God does is for him. 
Now, we're, we get to benefit, but it's still for him. And so let's be very careful because some people want to, this is my year. It has nothing to do with you. Like it's all about Jesus. And if God wants to bless you, praise God. But he's blessing you so he can bless through you. Do you guys get that picture there? So just be very careful when we talk about promises. So, he, so here he says, the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteous of faith, the righteousness of faith. Now, here's when he's speaking to the law. Um, the law, if, if, if the promise was tied to the law and you had to keep every piece of the law, who could keep it all? Who could keep it all? No one can keep the law. Who's never sped before? And, and, and we have a chapel service going on right now, and there are about 300 people in the chapel service. We call those our sweet saints, and, and they're, they're very faithful, but I promise you they're sinners and they have, they have sped too, all right? I promise you. Like, we've naturally broken the law. And so what Paul is saying is if, this, if God's promise is based off of you not broken the law, there is no promise. There's not going to be a promise. And so he is saying it's not based off of whether or not Abraham kept the law. Because was Abraham a sinner? Yes. So how did the promise come true? How did the promise come true? What is faith? Because sometimes you hear people say, if you just have faith, it'll happen. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I remember my wife's father passing away from brain cancer, and, and people would tell her, if you just have faith, he'll be healed, he'll be healed. But if you don't, he's going to die. I'm like, what? What book are you reading? Like, can God heal? Absolutely. Do I have faith he can heal? Yes. But I have faith if he doesn't, he still heard me and he's sovereign. My, my faith is not, well, if I have enough faith, it'll happen. If I don't, it won't. God is not like that. And, and so what does this word faith actually mean? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Put that down if you're taking notes. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Should be up here somewhere. They didn't put it up here. There it is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What is faith? The assurance of things hoped for. That is faith. So, so what, what is he saying here? That Abraham believed and had the assurance that God would do what he said he would do. So that was God's specific revelation to Abraham, right? What is God's specific revelation to us right here? If you want to be able to say, well, what's the promises of God? Right here, 66 books of them. This is the promise of God that will come true. This you can place your head on at night with confidence, knowing this will come true. God healing you of cancer? I don't know the answer to that. You not being single the rest of your life? I don't know the answer to that. You not getting a new job? I don't know the answer to any of that. I can't guarantee that for you. What I can guarantee is everything he says in here is true. That I can get all the promises in here are absolutely true. Now, so what he is saying is Abraham 
experienced the promise. How? Through what? Through faith. The first point. God's promises are delivered through our faith. God's promises are delivered through our faith. That's what we see here in this very first verse. Now, I want you to continue looking because what he says is, what does the law produce? So if, if you think you have to be a good person to get into heaven, we hear that a lot. By the way, 66% of Christians think that there are multiple ways to get into heaven. 66%. So that means a lot of you in here probably feel like my Aunt Jeannie's not a Christian, but, but she's a good lady. Listen, a lot of good people go into hell if they don't believe in Jesus. And, and good is relative. How you define good is different from how I define good. So who's a, who defines good? It has to be God who defines good, not us. And according to Scripture, he says only one is good, God alone. So where the law brings what? So you want everyone to know, listen, if you, if you are measuring yourself by the law of God, fine, do that, but it's only going to bring wrath on you because you failed. Now, this is why it depends on faith. What he's saying, again, it's not off your works. It's not about keeping the Ten Commandments or anything else. It's solely based off of faith. Now, listen to this. In order that the promise may rest on grace. What a sweet, sweet sentence. Listen to this. God's promise to you, if you're a Christian, you are forgiven. As far as the east is to the west, you are forgiven. If you're an ex-murderer, praise God. If you're a believer, you're forgiven. Ex-adulterer, praise God, you're forgiven. Praise God, you are forgiven. That is a promise. Another promise Psalm 27.10, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't matter what your emotions are telling you. It doesn't matter what you think you deserve. The promise of God, according to Scripture, is he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is his promise. By the way, parents, for those of you who have children that are backsliding or living a wayward life that you know are Christians and should be living different, uh, let me just tell you, um, God hasn't even left them. Do you, you, you hear what I'm saying? If they're living a life and they're Christians, they're living a way they shouldn't be living because he keeps his promises, he will not leave your child. Do you understand that? He will keep pursuing their heart. He will keep pursuing them in the midst of their sin. Whether they turn or not, that's another story. But the goodness of God means he will not forsake them. That's a promise. So if you're in this room today and maybe you've been living in a way... You've been living in a way that you shouldn't be living, and you came to church today, and you're feeling this guilt. That is not of God. What God wants you to know is he has never left you. He never will leave you, even when you're in the middle of your sin, running away from God. His promise to you is that he will never leave you nor forsake you, even when you think you don't deserve it. That is God's promise. Like These are the promises to hold on to. These are the things that, that are true. These are the things that I love. Look at this. These are the things that are dependent on God's grace. What does that mean? The word grace means charis in Greek. It's unmerited favor. Think about it this way. God's grace is a magnet to misfits. God's grace is a magnet to misfits. 
So if you're here and you're wondering, are you disqualified? No. It's almost as if God is drawn to you. Like he loves it. Like you need help? You need grace? You're a sinner? Come on. Come on, I got the antidote for this. I like people mess with me all the time um, because I really do have a heart um, for those that are broken. When I say broken, I don't mean whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. I mean people who are caught in the middle of their sin and feel like they're worthless because I've been there before. And those kind of people, man, I gravitate to. The ones who seem like I got it all together, I, I, you know, I can be pastor. Go play somewhere. I want to go towards the ones who need Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? And so those I run to, like, hey, what do you need? Do you need the gospel? Let me share with you. The good, let me remind you the goodness of God's grace. And to see them be filled with it. Those are the things that are exciting to me. And so what he is saying here is, listen, all of God's promises are based off his grace, not your performance. The law says you have to perform. God's grace says, I got this. The law says, perform. Grace says, I got this. So where can you rest when it comes to God's promises? You can rest on his grace, which is the second point. God's promises are an act of his grace. He wants to extend this for free. You disqualified yourself from God's grace when you sinned. You recognize that? You're disqualified. Yet his grace is like a magnet. Now, look at the next verse, verse 17. Here's what I love. After he talks about God's grace and where, where it rests on. It doesn't rest on the law. Again, this is good news for us all. Then it reminds them, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. So now Abraham believed in this God. Okay, now, Then the whole tight. What kind of God did Abraham believe in? Look at this. You wonder why Abraham had the kind of faith he did? What kind of God did did Abraham believe in? The God who brings life to the dead and calls existence to the things that do not exist. Let me sit here for just a second. What kind of God did Abraham believe in? Um, He believed in a God who was unbelievably powerful. He believed in a God who can literally take a dead womb and bring life out of it. He believed in a God who, who can take the worst, the chief of all sinners, the worst person, and give them new life. By the way, if salvation was based off the law, Gentiles could not partake in salvation, which means you and I wouldn't be able to partake in salvation. This is why it's not based off the law. So Abraham believes in this unbelievably powerful God who hung the moon and the stars, and he is saying, if, if a promise is going to happen, I'm going to place all my hope on the God who can do this. If, if something's going to happen, my, my confidence is going to be in a God who can do all of this. So the reason why Abraham is seen as this father and this patriarch is because of the kind of faith that he has. Now, let me ask you this if you're a Christian. When you come across a circumstance in your life, Do you run it through the filter of what you can do, or do you run it through the filter of what God can do? 
Think about that. Because it's different from like, well, I'm going to quote Scripture. I know, I know God can do it, but I'm just still really bummed out. No. If you know God can do it, pick your head up, walk with some confidence, and know that we serve a God in heaven who hung the moon. Like, do you know God can do it or not? That's the filter you need to think through all. Here goes another mountain. When my kid was sick and we got the word that, hey, he can die by the time he's 15, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, crud. Money can't fix this. What can fix this, God? And here's, here was my piece. Here was my piece. I'm going to filter this through a sovereign God who, who raises the dead and who hung the moon and stars. And he's in charge. He is sovereign. And I'm going to pick my head up. And I'm going to lead my family with strength. And I'm going to walk in confidence because whatever happens had to go through the fingers of God first. Like, that, that's, that's the confidence. But that's the confidence Christians should be walking in. Like, that's it. To, to have faith in this God who, who never goes back on his promises. So, number one, God's promises are delivered through our faith. Number two, God's promises are active as grace. Number three, God's promises are rooted in his power. His promises come out of his power. Listen, if Jesus didn't, didn't rise from the dead, I would say don't believe in any of this. Run for the hills. But because he rose from the dead, everything we believe about God comes from Jesus rising. This is the foundation of our belief here. A virgin birth, a resurrected king. That is foundation for everything we do. But it doesn't just end here on Sunday morning. You take that with you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I mean that. Take it with you every day. I'm a child of the Most High King. Nothing can come to me unless it goes through him first. And if it went through him, he must mean it for me. There's confidence in that. The last promise you should know about God. Listen to this last one. God's promises, the last point, are never, ever, ever broken. Ever, ever broken. I took my family to Disney this past week. My wife is a coupon queen. And um, I don't know how she did it. She got us some nice passes for four days. And so we took the kids for the spring break. And, man, listen, first day, I was just, it was, it was unbelievable. I had the Mickey ears on. It was incredible. <laughs> and like day three, little Mickey Mouse runs up. I don't want a picture. Mickey, I already took one with you. I, I was ready to get out of there. I was ready to get out of there. I'm so sick of Mickey and his little friends. My Lord, oh, Lord, I'm so sick of the, it's a good life after. What's that song? It's a small world. Yeah, yeah. You see how sick of it I am? I'm trying to erase it from my memory. I was just like in a trance. They do it on purpose. And then you want to buy a churro, costs $20. I'm like, golly, you can't put a churro in front of a Mexican and not think I'm going to eat it. And so my kids are now going to be happily going to junior college. We just spent their tuition. But um, I, I'm a semi-workaholic. I just I, I want to keep doing stuff. I always got a lot of irons in the fire, like everywhere. I just want things to happen. I want to reach people for Christ. I don't want anybody dying and going to hell because I believe that's real. And so, you know, I try to work very hard. Um, in fact, one of my mentalities is 
uh, would you be pleased with me if you saw how I worked Monday through Saturday as your pastor? That, that's really what I think to my mind. Would you be pleased with me? Uh, and sometimes that doesn't mean me working a lot of hours. This means being faithful to God, but it accidentally goes to more hours sometimes. And so I told my son, and he's here this morning, and he said, all right, buddy, uh, you know, dad is always on his phone, and um, I'm, I'm not going to be on my phone at Disney. And he's like, you serious? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this thing, son. And so, like, Sunday went, we went after church, and no phone. Like, it was incredible. It was the best. It was unbelievable. No phone. Nobody can get a hold of me. I didn't care. Um, Monday came, no phone. And, man, I was like, this is, why do they even make phone? This is unreal. Um, then Tuesday came, and my wife's like, hey, honey, can, can you bring me your phone so we take a picture of the kids? I'm like, I ain't got it. What phone, baby? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a phone. And then comes Wednesday, and I start getting the worker's itch. Like, I know, like, man, I probably got 100 emails in three days I got to respond to, and that's going to be a part-time job when I get back to the office on Monday. Let me see if I can sneak some emails while we're waiting in these uh, 80-minute lines here waiting for the ride. (laughs) A lot can happen in 80 minutes. And so here comes Thursday's our last day. And... um, and I bust my phone out when we're on rides, and I'm just start responding to everybody, and trying to catch up on emails. And I put it back in my, phone, in my pocket, and I didn't think anything about it. And then yesterday, we're, we had charades in our family, and our kids are acting out stuff. And, um, and then my son begins to act out every, every member of our family, which is really interesting. If you, uh, it's like, like the Adams family. Um, and they act out every, he's acting out every member. And then he comes, he comes to, to me, and my wife says, Balin, what, what, is, what is daddy like? And he says, oh, I know. Hey, look at me. I'm at Disney, and I promised I wouldn't be on my phone, but I'm on my phone. <laughs> and so I said, hey, look at me. I'm eight, and I have nowhere to live the rest of my life. <laughs> um, and... But, but I, but I got to be honest, like, man, I had every intention, every intention of focusing on my family. And, and, and I, the last day, I broke the, and I'm not proud of that. I joke, but I, it really hurt my heart when he acted that out yesterday. It broke me to think, that's not who I want my son to see me as. That, that's not what I want. And, and so he acted it out, but it made me realize I broke a promise. And even with good intentions, I broke a promise. And, and all of you have great intentions, but you're going to break promises. And you're going to have promises broken to you. Here, here's good news this morning. We don't serve a God who's going to break a promise because he forgot we don't serve a God who's going to break a promise because you weren't doing your part. He is faithful even when you're unfaithful. We serve a God. This is great news. We serve a God. If he promised you, if you believe in his son, you have everlasting life. Your name is written in the book. It is done. Like you can, you can and you will keep sinning after you receive him. You will, by the way. You will. But that promise, it's, it's written. It's tattooed. It's not going to come off. It's done. And that is a promise to you. But then there's another promise. 
Because sometimes his promises aren't that exciting. There's a promise that if you don't receive his son Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there's a promise that there's heaven for those who do and there's hell for those who don't. And as much as he doesn't want to see anybody go to hell, he has to keep his promise. See, I joked about this ring thing earlier because most of us are, are used to cheaply made promises that are always broken. Now it's hard for us to trust. But we don't serve a God who paid a cheap price to make a broken promise. We serve a God who paid the price of his son having nails in his wrist, a crown on his head, nails in his feet to say, when I make a promise to you, here's how much I'm paying and I'll never break it. I won't be like your third grade boyfriend. I won't be like your mom. I won't be like your dad. I won't be like the people that hurt you. When I make a promise, I pay for it and I keep it. Will you accept this promise? Will you accept this promise? Let's pray together. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, and I know what this is like, like you go through ruts where you start beating yourself up or maybe you hadn't been to church. And let me just tell you, rest on his grace. His grace and love for you is not based off your performance, okay? He loves you. He loves you. And this promise is true. If you're a child, you'll get to spend eternity with him. Even if you get there crawling, if you get there filled with sin, he'll make you white as snow. But then there are people in here this morning, that I, I'm very confident of this, that you've never given your life to Jesus. And let me just tell you, I'm not trying to manipulate or scare you, but I have to tell you the truth. His promise is true. If you don't give your life to Jesus, you don't go to heaven. There's only hell. But there's good news. You can accept Jesus. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus and you're saying, listen, I want the promise of being forgiven. I want the promise of being loved. I want the promise of eternity in heaven. I want that promise. Listen, will you just raise your hand if you've never surrendered? All across the room. There's already hands going up. Just raise your hand. All across the room. You don't have to wait till you get better. Just raise your hand. Just raise it high. Don't be ashamed. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, just keep your hands up. All on the balcony. All down here. I see you up there on the balcony. Thank you. Listen, there are going to be pastors up here. If you need to pray with the pastor, they're here to pray with. Listen, you want to surrender your life to Jesus, they'll pray with you. They know what to do. Maybe you're here and you've been wrestling with baptism. You've never been baptized. You're saying it's time. And they're here for you. 